Listen now, church, for the good news. According to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe, and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him. This is the word of God, and in it we can trust. I want to start with a question today. Have you ever made any poor life choices because you were sleep-deprived? You don't have to raise your hands or anything. I have to admit that it has been a lot of fun researching the topic of sleep and faith this week, so I figure it's only fair to let you in on some of it. One of my favorite findings this week was a website for dads with an article titled, 13 Real and Very Funny Stories from Sleep-Deprived New Parents. Amber, I'm so glad you're here. I feel like you'll really be able to relate to these. So here are a few of my favorites. Matthew from Michigan writes, We don't have a cat, but my wife did when she was little. There's this stray cat that comes up to our door every once in a while, and he must have been hanging outside late at night. My wife was so tired that she just opened the door and let him in. The stray cat came in and slept on our couch all night. He still comes around, even though we kicked him out. Al from Maryland said, I go to the gym every morning, and usually I throw on just whatever's lying around. I was up with the baby the night before, so I was totally exhausted, and what happened to be lying around were my wife's college sweatpants. I put them on, thought they felt a little tight, but rolled with it. It wasn't until I got to the gym that I realized they were hers. And Ivan from Florida wrote, I was so exhausted that I sort of melted into our dog's bed and fell asleep. First, I started in the chair. Then I rolled down to the ottoman. Then finally, I ended up curled up on the dog bed at the foot of the chair. My wife has a picture of it. I was just wrapped in the fetal position, dead to the world. It was comfortable. I totally get why the dog loves it. I might try it again. So I'd like to add to these stories 
few of my own top picks from after my girls were born. I once sent a thank you note to my cousin, and I put he and his wife's name on it, but no address, so it was returned to me. You guys made me delicious food for three or maybe even four months, thank God, and one day I microwaved a bowl of something with the metal spoon still in the bowl. Fortunately, there was not a fire started and no one was hurt, but maybe my favorite memory, which was my least favorite memory at the time, was waking up one morning and coming into the kitchen at the same time as my father-in-law, who I love very much, but who said to me, good morning, with this well-rested, bright smile on his face, to which I responded with a scowl like, how dare you bring that well-rested face into my house? So I wonder if the disciples felt a little bit like that when they discovered Jesus just sleeping soundly through the storm. They were experienced fishermen, so I imagine the storm was not a false alarm, and they weren't overreacting to feel panicked or afraid. But is it possible that all of them were just flat out exhausted? Insomnia is defined as difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep, even when a person has the chance to do so. Approximately 30% of Americans experience symptoms of insomnia, and 10% experience chronic insomnia. In short, we, like Jesus at the start of our gospel lesson, we, like the disciples, even at the end of our gospel lesson, are plumb worn out. For the last several weeks, we have lingered in the dark. I've been really excited about this sermon series for months and felt pretty proud of myself for thinking it up. Like, how perfect would it be to talk about darkness during the darker months of the year? But then we got into it, and I'm kind of like, what was I thinking? Like, it's February. We're all depressed because it's February. And what could make it worse than talking about how depressed we are? So all of that is to say the sun is shining, and I think that this week we deserve to carry this darkness theme a little more lightly. You all have been terrific and brave to delve into deep and difficult topics, and today I hope that we can still encounter God and some important truths, but that we can also have a little bit of fun and not take ourselves too seriously. So I'll start with a light question. What is keeping you awake at night? Barbara Brown Taylor writes in her book, Learning to Walk in the Dark, about an article she read about the ways that the incandescent light bulb changed our understanding of sleep. She writes, before the invention of the light bulb, almost no one slept eight hours at a time. 
In the long centuries before the advent of electricity, people spent as much as 14 hours of every day in the dark, which affected their rest as well as their activity. In researching sleep and how sleep-deprived our culture is, one great epiphany for me has been that there is not just one right way to get the right amount of sleep. Taylor writes, normal sleep includes five or six cycles of sleep that move through predictable stages. Normal people wake up four or five times during the night. Yeah, I think I get some amens on that. Some drift back to sleep in seconds, while others lie awake for a while. Now listen to this part. For most of us, the main impediment to getting back to sleep is worrying about getting back to sleep, right? But I wonder what if there is something of value in those frustrating middle-of-the-night wake-up calls. Taylor says that before electricity, that more people had longer periods of time where they weren't quite asleep and they weren't quite awake, which she labels as resting before falling asleep again. And she asks if this might explain why so many stories from the Bible are powered by big dreams, by experiences that happen in the night. Genesis 46.2 declares, God spoke to Israel in visions of the night. Consider the important messages that God communicated at night, a warning to Pharaoh, a sign for Gideon, an assurance to Joseph and therefore Mary. I find myself fascinated by this lying on our beds waiting to fall asleep time. And I wonder if Barbara Brown Taylor's assertion might be true, that there is a state of consciousness when we are resting that invites collaboration with God. But so often, we resist rest, obsessed with the need for measurable productivity. Not just rest, but even sleep eludes us. One researcher writes, in the developed world, sleep is strongly associated with weakness, even shame. We have stigmatized sleep with the label of laziness, we want to seem busy, and one way that we express that is by proclaiming how little sleep we're getting. It is like a badge of honor. So, we're anxious if we think we're sleeping too much, and we're also anxious if we're sleeping too little, knowing the consequences of sleep deprivation on our body. It feels like we just cannot win. Which brings me back to a boat in the middle of a storm when the disciples find Jesus sleeping soundly. 
I want to say for the record that I do not blame or judge the disciples for being mad at Jesus in this moment. I am mad and frustrated with Jesus in this moment of this story. But not just in the story where Jesus sleeps through a storm, but often when I lie awake and wonder, God, how can this be? Could you wake up and come help us down here? Things are not right, I sometimes think to myself. It is almost as if my worrying actually keeps the world on its axis. Because sometimes it feels like God is sleeping and someone has to stay awake and keep watch, right? Maybe not. Maybe I am like the disciples who have too little faith. Maybe this is just one more way that I am trying to control things that are not mine to control. Which is where I'd like to close all this talk about sleep and lack of sleep, about faith and lack of faith, about rest and lack of rest. And I'd like to suggest something. The next time you find yourself lying awake, mind racing, frustrated that your eight hours are being interrupted, contemplating the storms of life, I wonder if you might greet the nighttime darkness like an old friend. Hello there. What have you come to teach me tonight? While we, like the disciples, might be frustrated that Jesus isn't doing more, maybe God is trying to teach us that it just isn't about how much we can do. So might we honor our rest as well as we honor our work. And may we trust that if even Jesus can take a nap every now and again, maybe, just maybe, we should too. Amen.